1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us.
0: So one of the security research teams here at Trustwave Spider Labs focuses only on email security. And uh, one of our researchers, in the course of doing their uh, regular research on phishing attacks, uh, discovered this one little phishing campaign that kind of stuck out as a little bit unique from what we usually see.
1: That's Carl Sigler. He's the manager of the Spider Labs Threat Intelligence Group at Trustwave. The research we're discussing today is titled HTML Lego, Hidden Phishing at Free JavaScript Site. Well, let's walk through it together. I mean, uh, you know, someone is, uh, I don't know, sitting at home, minding their own business, maybe at work, and they get uh, a kind of odd uh, email in their inbox. Describe to us what's coming through here.
0: So the email originally came to the victim's mailbox with the subject price revision. And then it had an attachment to it. And there was no body in the email itself. Um, and we see this technique quite a bit where there's no body, but sort of a enticing subject uh, line. Uh, this just sort of drums in curiosity and oftentimes gets a victim to actually try and figure out what the email is about. Uh, mm-hmm. The subject price revision and the attachment, which uh, seemed to be an Excel spreadsheet, um, often is enough to, again, trigger that curiosity and, and, and get someone to open up the attachment itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because uh, you know, price revision could be good news or it could be bad news, right? Exactly. And if you're working for an
0: organization where maybe you're involved with uh, purchasing in some way, uh, shape or form, perhaps you're in a department that recently just uh, cut a PO for something, um, it, it can definitely get a lot of people to to go ahead and open that attachment.
1: Well, let's dig into some of the details here. I mean, there's, there's more to this than meets the eye. Can you take us through the process that you all went through to kind of unpack this one?
0: Sure. So the attachment itself um, had an Excel, uh, Excel extension to it, the XLSX, um, but it was embedded in actually the file name. And we see this technique quite a bit as well, um, We're basically the criminal is trying to trick the recipient, the victim, into thinking that the attachment itself is maybe something that they're used to opening up in an email, an Excel spreadsheet that maybe does have purchasing information, um, or some file uh, similar like that. Uh, in this case, although it had the Excel, uh, Excel extension on it, the actual extension, if you look further down the uh, file name itself, was HTML. So when you try to open the attachment, rather than opening up Excel, it's going to open up your web browser and display a web page to the actual victim.
1: Hmm. And what is in that web page that displays? So the web page itself actually looks
0: like you're looking at sort of a faded spreadsheet or a faded document in the background. And then it has a pop-up instantly that says, your session has uh, ended. Um, Please go ahead and log back in. Uh, And then it prompts you for a login for Office 365. And that login prompt has the Microsoft logo on it. Um, They did everything they could to make the login prompt look as legitimate as possible. Uh, But the Excel, the the HTML page you're looking at is actually the attachment. And in the attachment is a bunch of JavaScript, which is triggering those pop-ups and triggering what we call a credential catcher. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Now, am I correct here that the the pop-up that looks like the Microsoft sign-in, that the, that, that could have been pre-populated with the, the person's email address?
0: Yeah, very, very tricky little trick. Uh, what the criminals did is they know the recipient of the email. They had their email address. So when they popped up the uh, log-on prompt, uh, they actually embedded the uh, email automatically into the user ID. Uh, So a lot of people, if they see their email address already typed into the user ID, it looks like maybe they had already saved their credentials. It it looks more official uh, to the actual victim. Uh, And often will gain their trust enough to think, well, maybe my session did end. I need to just type in my password since they already know my email address.
1: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. Well, let's dig into that HTML file attachment itself, because there's quite a bit going on here uh, that you all explored in in terms of uh, obfuscation. Can, can we walk through it together?
0: Absolutely. So um, it, it's a kind of unique technique. We see it in different forms and variants. Um, but basically what the attackers did was rather than embedding the JavaScript directly in the HTML file that was attached to the email, the JavaScript itself is hosted on another website um, called uh, uh, yourjavascript.com. Uh, and it's a hmm. valid website. It's a website that a lot of people use to basically keep their JavaScript if they need to reference it later in a page. Maybe they don't have hosting uh, of their own, but they want to use it in uh, some co-hosted website. There's a lot of valid reasons why people would want to store JavaScript on this little cloud site. Uh, But we're seeing criminals actually use that for malicious purposes. Uh, By storing their JavaScript on this cloud instance and not having it in the HTML file, that gives the, the, the criminals, the attackers, a better chance of getting that email into somebody's inbox because all of the standard security controls that you might have on your mail server or the gateways uh, on your perimeter leading to your mail server would inspect that HTML and not see anything malicious about it because all that malicious content was stored on your yourjavascript.com and would not actually show until the victim opened up the attachment itself.
1: Hmm. Now, these uh, these files that are then opened, I mean, the stuff within the HTML file itself... Um, are encoded. And what was going on there?
0: Yeah, so the JavaScript, um, another obfuscation technique, another method to try and bypass security controls, uh, the JavaScript was actually uh, broken up into four individual parts. Mm -hmm. And then two parts were encoded uh, differently from the other two parts. Uh, So the first two chunks of the JavaScript were URL encoded. Um, This is just a typical encoding technique for HTML type content. Uh, And then the second two chunks were base64 encoded, uh, which is um, another very common way of encoding uh, data. um, If you wanna pass it through something that might not accept special characters or or something similar to that. Uh, So four parts in total, two that were URL encoded and two base64 encoded. Uh, And by doing this again, they, they have a better chance of bypassing your protections. Uh, Since it's being brought down in chunks, maybe your security controls can uh, unencode the URL encoding automatically to look for malicious content, but then they might miss the Base64 stuff. Uh, Or vice versa, maybe your security controls, your email gateway, or whatever you might have can do Base64 decoding to look for malicious content, but not the URL decoding. Uh, So by using two separate methods here, they have a better chance of just getting chunks in that are going to bypass those controls.
1: And your team there at Trustwave—I mean, you—you you were able to to dig in, and and, and I suppose uh, didn't take too much effort to figure out what was going on behind the scenes there. You were able to decode these and then reassemble them in their proper order, right?
0: Exactly. So um, the uh, JavaScript was still up on the on the uh, website. Um, the attackers hadn't pulled down those uh, the code or or the pages. Uh, so we were able to just recreate the email uh, exactly as a, a victim's a victim's computer would automatically, um, and bring it down in chunks, analyze each individual tr- chunk, and then in a safe environment, a sandbox type environment, we could actually open it and see what it actually was trying to do. Uh, and in this case, the JavaScript, what it, its purpose was to fake a document in the background prompt the user that their session has ended, and then prompt the user for just their password since the attacker's already had their email address.
1: And when someone goes ahead and enters in their password, what happens next? Where does it go?
0: So the password and the user ID automatically get posted and sent up to a attacker-controlled system. um, And then it uh, uh, redirects you to another website Uh, that looks like an office 365 website but there's no real payoff there Um, and that in turn would redirect to another website which has since been taken down by by the attackers so we're not able able to see the actual uh, maybe the additional steps the attackers are trying to um, get Um, uh, the portion where the attackers cut off their trail uh, was that credential capture part so as soon as you entered your email and your password those credentials would automatically get sent up to the attacker, who could then log into your account, take over your account, reset your password for you, uh, and see what sort of assets, what sort of data, what sort of um, useful information that they might be able to sell in the black market was available to that account.
1: Do you have any notion, any insights on who might be behind this? No, it's it's hard to tell, especially with phishing campaigns
0: because fishers um, tend to throw such a wide net. Um, mm. You know, this technique may only work one, 2% of the time. So they need to target thousands and thousands of email addresses in order to get a good return on the attack. Um, so with, with that sort of wide net, uh, where it's not targeted and focused on a specific organization, a specific industry, perhaps, uh, it's a lot harder to not only figure out what who the original attacker it is, but to find out any sort of motivation beyond, behind just grabbing credentials, trying to get information, and and possibly monetizing that down the line. Uh, We generally find that attribution in general, trying to figure out who the attacker is, while extremely important for law enforcement, um, uh, for government agencies, for us and for our customers, the important takeaway here is to understand how the technique works and how to best protect your organization uh, from those types of attackers. Knowing who they are doesn't necessarily play into those best practices. And getting those best practices out there is is really our main goal.
1: Well, I mean, let's go there then. I mean, what are your recommendations in terms of folks best protecting themselves against this sort of thing?
0: You know, it's the same thing we we've been preaching for quite some time. Um, if you receive an email that has either an attachment or a link um, that you're not expecting is not coming from somebody that said they're going to be sending you this file or they're going to be sending you a link to to check that should raise some red flags for you. Don't automatically open the attachment. Don't click on the link until you figure out why it's in your inbox from the get-go. Even if it's coming from someone you trust, um, perhaps the person that it's coming from has been breached and is um, being used to try and gain more trust and to get you to further that breach. Um, So if you receive anything in your inbox with a link or an attachment, don't automatically open it maybe verify out of band via a separate email, a text message, or a phone call uh, to the sender to make sure that they actually did send it and meant to send it to you. And if it's coming from someone you don't know or don't trust, um, you, you may want to get your local IT team or uh, your security team in or your organization involved with that.
1: In the spectrum of these sorts of things that you all see, you know the the phishing attempts that you all are tracking, where does this fit in in terms of the the level of sophistication that we're seeing here?
0: I would say it's sort of medium severity. Um, generally, for the uh, we start to see a lot more sophisticated techniques being used in the targeted attacks. Uh, so, mm-hmm. if somebody is targeting somebody with um, you know the the C level um, uh, email campaigns um, where they're trying to exploit the CFO of a company or a CEO of a company, and there's a lot of reconnaissance involved and uh, a lot of maybe uh, precursor emails that get sent out, a test campaign. Um, those tend to have a lot of sophistication and, and use a, very, a lot of very sophisticated techniques. Uh, then you have the low-level techniques um, that are pretty much just script kitties that may be just playing around, um, testing these things out, maybe are not that experienced uh, this seems to be more mid-level. Uh, the fact that they're breaking up their code uh, into small little chunks to avoid detection, uh, the fact that they're putting that code uh, on a cloud server rather than embedding it directly in the email, all of those things do show uh, a level of uh, like sophistication and, and a good bit of technique involved. So this definitely isn't the, the actors behind the campaign. This isn't their first time. This isn't their first where to go. But so far as very sophisticated, uh this wouldn't be that hard for somebody to figure out or somebody to, to replicate. Just from reading our article, the technical details, you don't necessarily have to be that technical to understand how these techniques work uh, and how to use them. If you know some basic HTML, some basic JavaScript, it could be very, very easy to pull off this attack if you had that, that motivation. We wanna make sure that people understand the sophistication behind a lot of these email attacks, these phishing attacks. Uh, so that people are better able to protect themselves. Uh, When it comes down to attacks that utilize social engineering and targets uh, the psychology of the victim, education is really the only patch we have for that sort of thing. Uh, So by putting out these articles and giving an explanation of how these campaigns work, uh, we're hoping to educate people so that when these emails end up in their inbox, they don't do the wrong thing.
1: Our thanks to Carl Sigler from Trustwave for joining us. The research is titled HTML Lego: Hidden Fishing at Free JavaScript site. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, SixSense. SixSense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. The Cyberwire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Carrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Filecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.